In June 2023, the Equality and Human Rights Action Center, with the support of the Active Citizens Fund, paid a visit to nine organizations in Iceland whose work centers on human rights, particularly gender equality and LGBTQ rights. Why Iceland? The country has been a global trailblazer in the field of human rights, and the World Economic Forum has named it the most gender-equal country for 14 years in a row, with over 90% of the gender gap closed. The country has also made significant progress in LGBTQIA plus rights, scoring 71% on ILGA Europe's Rainbow Map 2023. Each organization's representative talked about its work, its mission, and the challenges they face, and together we strive to identify areas where their experience could model and inspire our own work in Romania and that of other sister organizations. Over three episodes, you will hear excerpts from our meetings with advocates focusing on three main issues in human rights work, gender equality, gender-based violence, and LGBTQIA plus rights and anti-gender movements. In the first episode, we will cover the Icelandic organizations most closely working to achieve gender equality, and we'll begin with our meeting at Reykjavik City Hall, where Svandi Sigurdardotir, LGBT plus and equality specialist, and Haldora Gunnarsdotir, gender equality advisor, presented the history of the equality movement in Iceland and their current work at the Human Rights and Democracy Office within City Hall. We do have, we like to think of us as having a strong history when it comes to women's rights. And as is quite typical when you look at, especially the Western sort of context, we've got it in waves. It's a typical first, second, third wave. So the first wave here in Iceland, we're looking around before and after the 1900s. The Women's Rights Association, which is still alive and kicking today, the main goal was sort of political equality. So voting rights, being able to run for office and so on. So that was a big goal at the time. And also labor rights, so being able to work. The second way then, we've got a slightly different emphasis. We've got the women's strike, which Iceland is sort of famous for. <laughs> if you know anything about women's rights in Iceland, you probably have heard about the strikes that have been held in uh, 1975, 85, 2005 and 2010. So that was basically to show, hey, we are not getting paid as much as men. We're going to strike. We're going to stop working at, it's been at different times, which has sort of been comparable to the difference in pay. So women stopped working at two o'clock because after two, they're not getting paid anyway compared to men. So things like that. We've had different groups and different movements. Some of them highly, well, all of them highly political, of course, but some running for office, so uh, a political movement that didn't quite run for office and wasn't quite focused on that but very much had an impact on politics was the Red Sox, so they were in the 70s, very much a leftist movement, very much uh, connected to unions and workers' rights, focused on abortion, equal pay, violence, gender-based violence. And then we have the women's list and the women's parties that came up through the 80s and 90s, so that those were political parties where women sort of formed alliances, formed their political parties and ran as women's parties with a unique perspective, working towards women's rights and so on, and then disintegrated into different political movements after that. And then we have the third wave, which is more this century, where you are then looking at things like the slut walk, free the nipple, beauty tips, which turned into women sharing their experiences 
of gender-based violence. And it was kind of both like opening up about things that happened to them, warning others about individuals that had been violent towards them and so on. And it was just quite a huge wave and a shocking number of women that shared their stories. Kind of a bit like Me Too, which also hit Iceland a few years ago. So just like realizing what a huge sort of issue this is of gender-based violence and discrimination. And another thing that is also sort of caught up with the women's rights movement is both the sort of institutionalization of the women's rights movements, so moving into positions within the government, within public entities and so on, our jobs, for example, and also minorities, so thinking about other groups. So not just women are this one sort of entity that isn't connected to other things. But for the most part, we are talking about mainstream white feminism in Iceland. That has been the core of the women's movement here, as in other sort of Western European and North American countries. And other groups and minorities have sort of had to try and remind the core of other groups and other, other entities. My name is Halldóra Dílvegunarsdóttir. I'm the project manager for the project that is no longer a project, but is a way of working that we call Together Against Violence. The position that Iceland mm-hmm. is being number one on the World Economic Forum list for 13 years in a row. We call it uh, the aura of uh, equality. The thing is that what you measure obviously affects the results that you get. And for example, political empowerment, it still affects the position of Iceland that we had a president for 16 years. Uh, Being a president in Iceland is not a position of power. It's more a position of like being there and planting trees. I would not take it as a measurement of empowerment Mm -hmm. in this connection. So that's for example, not a good measurement. And then we have nothing about violence here. What we have talked about is that we have this aura of gender equality. Mm-hmm. And a lot of ministers talk a lot about, you know, Iceland being number one for so many years and how perfect we are and so on. And as soon as you have this kind of position and vision that you are so good, you're always number one, you're not trying to get better. So that's kind of worrying us who are working in gender equality. We have the equality school, can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's situated with the Department of Education. There's a project manager who uh, is in charge of the equality school. And I mean, one of the big things that she has to do is to follow legislation that tells us that we are supposed to educate in all levels of education from kindergartens, primary schools and up on gender, gender equality, stereotypes. Our goal is to try and even the playing field in terms of education and also the workforce. We have a very sort of gender segregated workforce. So we want to try and, um, and work towards changing that. What she does is a lot of educating and training within the Department of Education. I mean, it's it's our biggest department. It's a huge job. She has also got a very strong project going, which is called Week 6. It's Week and Sex, which is like the sixth week of the year. It's based on a Danish project, which is sex education within the school system and trying to take a very sort of holistic approach, starting with younger children. The focus is, of course, on sexual health, autonomy, boundaries, saying no, and so on. So that's one of many big projects that she's got going on there. Coming up is the Women's Rights Association, one of the oldest and most successful in its mission in the world. 
It was founded in 1907 by suffragettes, and by 1915, Iceland had already secured women the right to vote under Danish rule. On October 24, 1975, the WRA, in conjunction with labor unions in Iceland, staged the first women's strike in order to protest unfair wages and labor practices, a protest that has been repeated with increasing frequency in recent years. You have probably heard of the 24th of October. It's like Women's Day Off. We call it Kanna Free. Uh, it's Kanna is women's. Free is vacation, vacation because it, it was the first time held on 24th of October 1975. They organized that strike. They didn't call it strike because uh, it was uh, of the like, trade unions. They didn't want to call it that, so it was called you know, Women's Day Off. And there was a huge gathering downtown. And at that time, not many women were working. Mm -hmm. So they just left home and husbands had to stay at home and babysit. And we have held that day a few times over the years. So we had it in 1985. And then 2005, where I participated first time, I am one of the founders of a foreign women's organization in mm -hmm. Iceland. We were founded on that day, 24th October 2003. In 2005, we were part of that movement. And then we have had 2010, 2016. There was a scandal here. Oh, then Prime Minister. It was discovered that he had some offshore money. That year, the government fell, you know, so they had new elections. So we just organized very quickly a protest downtown where we were asking for equal pay, you know. The WRA is a lobby organization, not a service provider. And in this quality, its work focuses on providing commentary on parliamentary bills, issuing statements, writing articles, and publishing a feminist magazine. Tatiana Latinovic, current head of the organization, explains both past successes and their aims for the future. Every single village in Iceland has women's club. They are not political per mm -hmm. se like we mm -hmm. are, but they have held like a welfare system in the country for so many years because if something happens, you know, before the welfare committees existed, you know, women would gather and collect money for something, build a hospital or do this and that. So they're very important. So there is a federation of women's societies, Icelandic federation, and then federation of women's societies in Reykjavik. We have a yearly gender forum. It's called Kenya Things. We just had it on the 13th of May. It's actually something that is done in Poland. We are in the place. We coordinate and we offer other feminists or other people working on equality organizations to come and then they will have their sessions. It could be a panel uh, discussion. It could be a presentation. It could be art thing, you know. And it's a gathering of grassroots organizations that we sort of sponsor and coordinate. And we, we learned that in COVID, we stream everything and then we put it on YouTube, all these mm -hmm. presentations. We started in 2018 and first year of COVID, we decided to have it just online. And it was like whole week, but in uh, at noon, we did it over Zoom. But then a year later, we thought, oh, we have together. And it was like everything went into lockdown. So we had to cancel then. So that's the only time that we canceled. Mm -hmm. We had guests this year from Ukraine. Because we have a lot of Ukrainian refugees here mm -hmm. and, and stuff. So, so that, that was very good. For us, it's very important also to pressure our government to believing in gender equality issues in the world because we are scoring so high. And I think that the government, at least the foreign minister, they, they really appreciate it. Next, we talk to the Directorate of Equality, a government organization under the authority of the prime minister. Based in Akureyri, the organization focuses heavily on equality in the labor market, monitors progress on equality at the national level, and produces a great deal of research on the matter. 
Katrin Rikardsdottir, director, and Kjarti Augustsson, special advisor, give details. Icelandic companies and institutions that have uh, 25 or more employees, they have uh, obligations, according to the legislation, to uh, have gender equality plan and to get uh, a pay equality certification or pay equal equal pay confirmation. This uh, equal pay certification, it's a huge thing. You need to contact a special company that is uh, allowed to audit and they take a look at how how you do things regarding pay quality in your company and it's really a big process. And we are overseeing if companies are fulfilling these obligations. And also regarding the equal pay confirmation, it's for companies that have 25 to 49 employees. It was thought that the certification process would be too hard for them. So then we have this milder version, but still having a, they need to do a lot of work, but they can send their uh, material to us here at the directorate to evaluate if they are doing well enough Mm -hmm. in regards to pay equality. So this is actually a very big thing. We have over 1,000 companies that we need to monitor and see if they are fulfilling their duties. So every week or every day we are writing letters, reminding companies you have not yet Mm -hmm. fulfilled your duties. If they do not fulfill these obligations, uh, we can threaten them with team fines. So they don't volunteer for the certificate. They, it's mandated. Yes, it's mandated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, when companies have gone through the process, they understand why it's important. People are so unaware of these mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. biases, really, and think they have are choosing, you know, education because they really want to become a nurse or you know teacher. This free choice you think you have, but actually you don't, you don't have. Just getting people to understand what is pushing them in certain directions. From when you're born, before you're born, how you're addressed, depending on whether you're a girl or a boy, and the girls get the, and the boys get the, in the womb. <laughs> yeah. And your research shown that if you dress a child in pink and blue, the child in pink will be addressed with, and regardless of okay. whether they're a boy or a girl, just you think they're a girl because they're dressed in pink. Mm-hmm. And then you go through the whole real life being, you know, you go through the pink aisle in the toy store if you're a girl. The, so, you know, your condition. And you could put this in, do you know who Darren Brown is? He has had people drive to his, you know, where he's doing things. And just based on what he knows they see on the way, he can read their mind. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, a, you know, an example of conditioning, how mm-hmm. the things you you know, observe and experience on your way are going to inform the decisions you make later. It's just a micro thing. And so Mm -hmm. free choice. Yes, I I want to do that. You you don't realize that Mm -hmm. you've been conditioned from when you were born Mm -hmm. to go this way, but you feel like it's a free choice. Absolutely. But what's the end goal and how do you measure when you've reached it, when you have 50-50% in each profession? Because I think this is where the discussion always gets very tricky. Like, when do you know Mm -hmm. you've achieved your... Well, when you have, for example, with uh, wage discrimination, you know you have achieved it when it fluctuates around zero. I mean, it can go two, three percent either way, but when it's always two, three, four, five percent in favor of men, then you haven't reached it, right? Mm -hmm. So when you will never get 50-50 anyway, Mm -hmm. but when the numbers kind of go a bit up and down and then you reach some kind of equilibrium. And and the idea is not that everyone everywhere is 50-50. The idea is that you have free choice Mm -hmm. and that you're an informed way Mm -hmm. of choosing. And that everyone can go and do and be whatever they want to be. Mm-hmm. That's the end goal. Go yeah, ahead. it's very hard to measure. Like, how do you know in the end if it is yeah. a free choice or you... Exactly. And it's also related to uh, pay equality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. in Iceland, we have this uh, wage discrimination, actually, between traditional male jobs being higher 
evaluated than the traditional women's church. Mm -hmm. I would say in Romania this is maybe even more noticeable because yeah. for example we're starting to be a rather big hub for the IT industry so Bucharest and Cluj especially we have a lot of people working in IT and they usually have their incomes are double triple those of other people working uh -huh. in different sectors mm -hmm. and that's highly dominated by yeah. men it's often said to teachers well you chose this you knew it would mm -hmm. pay less yeah. but it didn't pay less when many of them choose and it's not like it's fair to be exactly. paid less even though it, you mm -hmm. knew it was when yeah. you yeah, yeah, no, it's studied really... it it doesn't say it has to be mm -hmm. so no so I think it's... it says a lot about the yes. value system that we have in a society yes. how much yes. we decide yeah. to invest in education in nurturing yeah. jobs mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. for sure but Clearly. interestingly enough Romania actually scores pretty well on as far as I know on, yes. on equal pay just because mm -hmm. this is not taken into consideration and it, it's just like on the basis of your job title do you as a woman make as much as a man and, and the gap is smaller than in many other countries because we don't have this cross-field sort of comparison or evaluate Katrin also presented the National Equality Complaints Committee, which gets fewer than 30 claims per year, though the small number does not necessarily paint an accurate picture of the size of discrimination in the workplace. The committee emits recommendations, and while its decisions are not binding, a company found guilty of discrimination will almost certainly settle with the plaintiff, outside of court, to prevent what is seen as terrible PR. Another organization helping women navigate legal and other practical issues on the daily is the Women's Counseling. A small office offering pro bono weekly hours of counseling to both women as well as men, the service advises mainly on legal family matters, but also on entrepreneurship and tax issues, as well as on asylum and residency permits. The Women's Counseling offers their services anonymously. This helps attract beneficiaries from all walks of life, including those in the most precarious situations. It relies heavily on volunteers and law and social service students who donate their time and expertise. However, the organization also gets involved on a more official level by offering public commentary on bills regarding gender issues and the rights of victims. We mark the end of this first episode with an observation. It seems that gender equality is the red thread throughout human rights activism, policies, and legislation in Iceland, as feminism helped shape the principles and practices of fundamental rights for all. This is in stark contrast with what we notice in Romania, where gender equality is still seen as controversial and often safer approach for a generic human rights lens. Project implemented by the Equality and Human Rights Action Center in partnership with Santokin 78, with the financial support of the Active Citizens Fund Romania, program funded by Iceland, Liechtenstein and Norway through the EEA grant 2014-2021. The content does not necessarily reflect the official position of the EEA and Norway grants 2014-2021. For more information, visit www.eagrants.org.